I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Yes, that's right, the whole freaking county. That's right. I am in too many places at one time to be defined by a single location, or eh, something like that. All right, guys, glad to have you along for the ride today. Of course, uh, for the benefit of those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast, or maybe you're just a few days behind on your podcast listening, time of the live broadcast happened to be August the 21st. It is 2022. I know a lot of you at this point in time anxiously awaiting to see if the new HBO series House of Dragons can live up to being a worthy prequel to the Game of Thrones television series that, uh, well, you know, up until that last season, wasn't 
too awful bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, certainly a lot of fan favorite buzz around that, and we'll see what happens. I I can't imagine we'll be able to get through Monday without hearing a lot about it from those folks that really were fans of the original. And, of course, those folks that are fans of the Song of Fire and Ice novels, uh, just, you know, just to see what goes on. Transpired. Interesting to see the fan reaction. Uh, at least I think it'll be. Meanwhile, as you guys are well aware of, Sundays are that traditional time where I set aside to sit down and have a conversation with the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, which you can find on a multitude of platforms and radio stations across the country. Anytime you want, all you got to do is go visit theronedwards.com, and you can find out everything you need to know right there. And uh, today's no exception. I did sit down and have that conversation with Ron a little bit earlier today. And so with no further ado, let us begin the Sunday afternoon conversation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as always, I am so very honored and humbled that you have chosen to join me today. And it is indeed time for the Sunday afternoon conversation, so I am further honored to welcome back to the show the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, as we are uh, sitting here in a little joint action as we're trying to blow away a few myths. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Ron Edwards. Ron, once again, you have uh, given up part of your Sunday to come hang out with us, and uh, I know the listeners appreciate it, and I do as well. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Uh, I don't feel it's uh, giving up anything. In fact, it's a great addition to my Sunday to be on your show so, and to get to speak with you and your audience. So uh, it's a treat for me, and thanks for the invite. All right. Well, as I have said before, you are welcome uh, just about any time. Uh, I can't think of a situation that would arise where you wouldn't be. So uh, I'll just put that qualifier in there just in case something pops up like, oh, no, there's just not time. I, I can't imagine that either, though. All right, Ron, let's jump into things. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of situations where it appears as if Americans have had enough. The realization that uh, our modern political speech has went from just being spin to being flat-out lies, and we're seeing that pop up in a lot of different ways. Uh, one of those ways are some of the topics that we'll talk about as we get into it, but before we jump on any of these other uh, topics, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about whether or not there is a reason for us to have any faith in the current uh, institutions of the Justice Department, because uh, we keep seeing an effort where they try to give us a little head fake, and, and then all of a sudden, when it comes to being back in front of uh, uh, magistrate judges that they already seem to have in their pocket, they seem to want to fade a different direction, if you'll forgive the uh, sports analogies, you know, the little head fake here, then fade the other <laughs> way, and, and it all comes down to a lack of credibility for the American people. Uh, is there literally anything at all right now that we should trust when it comes to the federal government? The only thing we should trust in regards to the federal government is the fact that it exists. Other than that, I see nothing whatsoever to, to um, uh, have any. There's no logical reason to have any faith in any part of the federal government. 
None. And especially the three-letter departments, DOJ, FBI, CIA. And in my opinion, those are departments that should be defunded and abolished and um, for our own good, for our own good. The Department of Justice is is just as corrupt as uh, backwoods uh, prison where the warden has gone to Nutsville and is abusing everyone. It is just, it's awful. And I do fear that if there is not a major correction, I mean major top to, top to bottom correction, we will lose our United States of America, land of the free, home of the brave. It's, it's that bad. It is, uh, uh, we're on the edge. It's no more, well, things are getting bad. And it doesn't look good on the horizon. No, we're at the horizon's edge. And uh, these people have gone to Nutsville and these three-letter departments, and they are out to destroy us. Yeah. Um, I, I just That's the only way I can put it, Tim. And no need to sugarcoat it uh, because people have to know exactly what's going on. Right. I, I am afraid that part of this... Uh Firm, falls firmly on the head and shoulders of most of us conservative Americans, though, Ron, because yeah. we're the ones who have been going to work every day. We're the ones who's had faith that the Constitution would be reinstituted, that we would have a return. We okay. talked about the swinging pendulum, and we always had faith that eventually it would correct on its own. And unfortunately, things have been allowed to go so bad for so long that now, we have a whole generation of folks that are even the rank and file among these agencies that just think that that's how it's done. This is how it's supposed to go. This is how it's supposed to be. And it's just not right. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm afraid I'm right there with you. I, I wish I wasn't, but I wish that we could just honestly sit back and have that conversation where we could talk about how, well, it's just the folks at the top, Ron, but you know, we are now at a point where the rank and file uh, people that are working in these agencies are following directions and orders that they know to be unconstitutional, therefore uh, illegal by definition, regardless of what other laws and regulations get passed. So uh, I'm afraid you're, uh, you're spot on with that. We just need to make a move to make changes and the corrections need to be done. Even the few folks that are left that are among the good ones, uh, they've sat back and they've been silent too long. Uh, and that's all evil needs to advance is for good men to be silent and do nothing. Uh, speaking of three-letter agencies, though, uh, not government-related, um, what do you make of this apparent sea shift at CNN? Now, it's in its earliest stages, but we've seen a lot of these uber-partisan folks being removed from uh, their positions, most recently Brian Shelter, uh, Stelter, uh, Annunciation being important on the radio run, uh, but uh, bigger than that, there was this uh, this statement that was made by the new CNN chairman, uh, this Chris uh, Litch, uh, that got released where basically he told everybody on the network that uh, if they want to do news, they can't be so partisan and that they're going to be dialing down the extreme partisanship pretty heavily. Now, this is an internal document, presumably not desired to be release, but it's still being met with a lot of criticism and a lot of skepticism, uh, uh, me being chief among them. I, I still, I, I would say, show me rather than just tell me. But uh, my question to you, Ron, is uh, what do you make of this? Are we seeing something that uh, that is possibly 
a strong move forward? Well, first of all, Tim, I think that uh, it's all bull capitalists with a hit. I think that they're trying to save their backsides and they want to make money. They want to get the advertising revenue going. And so they have to at least appear to become more moderate in their approach. Now, how can you say that you're becoming or lessening up in your drastic measures? And you just brought in a, a, a big partisan hack. His name is Chris Wallace, uh, a very dishonest individual. So um, as you said, Tim, show me. And uh, that's why I'm at cons- concerning a CNN. Although they won't be showing me because uh, I don't watch them anyway, so I probably will not know until somebody tells me, hey, Ron, you know, I happened to turn on the CNN by accident and, you know, they were doing pretty good over there. Um, Otherwise, I won't ever know anyway. So it is what it is or will be what it will be. Right. Well, I mean, I I am curious because – Partially, one of the reasons why I kind of think they might actually be serious is that uh, there is one of the major board members over there that's actually, uh, and admits it in public even, friends with uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, I, I do think that the Discovery folks are have been looking from the very beginning to try and reboot the image over there. Uh, you do make a good point about Wallace, but I do think that if you don't step too far outside of that little uh, – their echo chamber that these uh, lefties are typically in a lot of the time. Maybe they still honestly think this guy is considered to be a trusted name in journalism. Uh, so maybe it's a mistake that they'll just correct. But yeah, I'm, I'm just curious as much as anything, because I, six months ago, even though Discovery had been making noise about uh, making their changes over there, I didn't expect to see changes like the the complete and total cancellation of reliable sources. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see Brian Stelter removed because, let's face facts, uh, if you've ever seen him in action, it's not hard to say that the guy's just not very good at his job. Uh, <laughs> say what you want to about Cuomo. Say what you want to uh, about Don Lemon uh, or uh, several of the other personalities that have also uh, been part of company with uh, at least they were good at what they were trying to do. Uh, what they were doing was terrible, but they were good at it. Stelter wasn't even, I, I don't think I've ever seen him even with a smile that doesn't look like he's about to try and bite your face. Uh, the guy is just so <laughs> from start to beginning. But then again, he did kind of start from the writing standpoint, and that's probably where he should have stayed, I suppose. Uh, not to spend so much time on him. I'm just, again, so much of this, I think, is noteworthy just because, at least for now, they appear to be going in a at least slightly better direction. Uh, I would like to see uh, some more actual journalism happening, so maybe I'm just engaging in wishful thinking. But yes, yes, as I said, I am more of a show-me-don't-tell-me kind of guy. I was just... Uh, I've seen reactions all over the place, though, Ron. A lot of folks like yourself, like, nah, maybe they are, uh, uh, but I'm not going to know. And then, like what you just said, I'm not going to know regardless because I'm just not watching. They've they've been lying for too long. They've uh, became the most trusted uh, name in news into the most uh, ridiculous name in propaganda uh, well, maybe they didn't even hit that. I guess MSNBC still, MSNBC still beats them at that, <laughs> I suppose. 
Yeah, and them and CBS. But but here's the thing. I'm looking for new networks to rise up, and, 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 and I want the comeback of One American News and what you and I are doing and what others are doing who at least want to tell the truth. Uh, I'm looking for, for the growth in these areas as opposed to, oh, let's hope that CNN gets it right this time. Screw them. You know, I, I, I'm ready to move on. They, they've had their time. They've had their, their moment in the sun. And uh, they burned all of us. And they burned a president. And even though there is one uh, a friend of Donald Trump's, how many friends of his can he trust? I mean, a lot of people have said, yeah, I'm Donald Trump's friend. And they've, tur- and they've stabbed him in the back. So who knows? I mean, really. It, it, to me, it's not worth it. And I really don't give a rip. I, I just... I'm done. Once, once, once you're done, I mean, you've helped us, you know, potentially destroy a nation. It's time for you to go. Well, I don't disagree with you, Ron, but the one thing that still continues to make me hopeful of a course correction there is the fact that there's a lot of folks that that's their only source of information. You know, they're never going to listen to you or me. They're never going to listen to, uh, to Don Smith or Ann Ubellis. They're, they're never going to be listening to One American News, uh, they're never. In fact, they won't even watch Fox News when Fox has become uh, almost as bad as uh, their normal sources. That's because they've been told Fox is the devil. But if all they're watching is CNN uh, and they only have MSNBC to transition to, there's just a really good chance if these guys get to doing the right thing, maybe. They just won't have an option but to hear a little more of the actual truth or at least get them on the right path to seek it out. So, yeah, that's that's my biggest thing there. And, uh, you know, as far as any conservative, now I don't see a reason to go back to them, even if they do get their act straight. Uh, as you said, they had their chance. They had their opportunities, and they chose to go down the path they did. And the road to redemption is a long and hard one, Ron, and they've got a lot to redeem themselves for. So best of luck to them in that quest. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much with you as far as being done with them. I'll just kind of take the wait-and-see process with the rest, though. Um, We were talking a little bit beforehand, and uh, it seems like another major topic where Americans, even those that typically only watch CNN and typically only vote Democrat, seem to be really getting over the lies we've been spoon-fed from the left and the Democrats when it comes to the invasion of illegal migrants across our southern border. We've seen a couple of big news stories this past week, uh, one of which uh, I made several comments about in the Uh, in a previous broadcast and said, we'll probably be talking about that some this weekend with you. Uh, So I didn't go into great detail. That, of course, being the story of the federal government going on to private property and unlocking a uh, fence area set up for illegal border crossers to just come through, supposedly so they can process them. Now, this was a fence that had been locked by the uh, Texas National Guard with the permission of the private property owner. Uh, The feds did not get permission from the owner of the uh, private property to go unlock it. So it seems to me like if they really wanted to process them, they could have moved them to a different location and left these people off, uh, uh, just leave them alone, stay off their private property. But then we also saw another story that's getting very little attention and happened almost on the same day where in court uh, the Biden administration won a legal uh, action in order to acquire by eminent domain 
uh, several miles of uh, private property in the uh, Rio Grande Valley area uh, in order to complete uh, building border, uh, border fencing, which is something that they said that they're not going to do. So a lot of folks that are on the extreme left are pretty upset about it. Uh, not that they're talking very loudly, very publicly, because again, the mainstream legacy media trying to keep it quiet. But all this is still just part and parcel for the fact that they're having to walk a very thin line to try and appease a lot of folks, because at the end of the day, this is a ridiculously huge burden on our country. Some of the so-called sanctuary cities are getting their first real taste of what it's like to see large numbers of these migrants show up at one time. What is your take on the, well, first of all, any of the stories, uh, either of the two stories, you can uh, comment on those if you like, but the real question is, what is your take on just the appearance of the American people, especially those who are and still probably are going to vote Democratic, seemingly finally tired and fed up with uh, this BS of just leaving our borders open? Well, first of all, if they still choose to vote Democrat after supposedly being tired of what's going on, then to me, it's just a waste of human being. They need to just shut up and just stay in the corner. Then if they're not, if they're not going to change their vote because by not changing their vote, they're helping things remain the same. And for them to say that they're, they're tired of this or they don't like it is probably a lie. Because if you're tired of something for real and you have an opportunity to help make a change, you do that. And um, I say that in such strong terms because my entire life I have heard people say, oh, I'm so tired of the bad things that are happening in our cities, in the inner city, in the ghetto. Since before I was born, they were actually saying these things. Ever since uh, 1962, for, for example, in Detroit. Uh, when they elected a, a Democrat, and they've been Democrat ever since. And people say, oh, we're so tired of this. We don't like this. Same thing in Chicago. They were tired of all of the hell being raised under the Rahm Emanuel administration. And what do they do? They vote for another one and another one. And they were, remember, they were railing against the conditions that were going on under Rahm Emanuel. Well, Rahm Emanuel was like um, uh, one of their best mayors in history compared to what's going on there now. And I can guarantee you, Tim, that these same lunatic, idiot voters who are saying, oh, my gosh, Lori Lightfoot, you're 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 horrible. We're tired of this. And I can guarantee that they will turn around and vote for a Democrat as opposed to any Republican or Libertarian or whatever that has all the wonderful solutions that they may even agree with. But because they don't have a D, they don't ride a jackass. They will turn around and vote Democrat anyway. So until people become more principled, it's just going to it's just going to continue to just go down the same road. And the reason why I'm so irritated and so agitated about it, even when it comes to the border, same thing, Tim. It's a principle. It's about the principle. It's the same problem. And the reason why I'm agitated, because in this border situation, all of us are impacted either directly or indirectly. And my concern is that. In reality, no country, I don't care how great it is, the greatest of all time probably as far as world impact was Rome. And guess what? Guess what destroyed Rome? The same thing the Biden administration is doing now, open borders. And we are now at the point 
where our country can literally be destroyed because there are too many people that have come into this country, both legally and illegally, by the way. We should stop all immigration, first illegal, and then stop uh, legal immigration for at least a decade. Stop it, stop it, stop it, and then have it come in as a trickle after 10 years. But Americans are too stupid for that. We become a very large company, a country full of idiots. Idiots don't do the right thing. They don't make the right choices. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I do think that uh, we are seeing the dumbing down of the American public, and that has a lot to do with today's pillar of society that we're going to discuss here in a little bit. But uh, what do you make of these apparent paradoxes, though, with, uh, in particular, going on to people's private property to lock and then to unlock, well, in this case, to unlock a fence to let folks in who have just illegally crossed our border. And then what do you make of uh, this lawsuit where they literally, by eminent domain, just took property away from private property owners just because they happen to be someplace where they want to build a wall? Tim, I think that uh, both actions are going to end up not being good. First of all, to open a locked fence that was done so by the state of Texas, considering what has been going on illegally, according it going on against American law for a long time, for them to come down so that the law could continue to be broken in that particular location. Okay, Texas, we want you to be screwed even more. So we're going to unlock this. Well, I'm sorry, the federal government, in my humble opinion, has lost its authority when it comes to, to the to the border. There there is no respect uh, for, for federal authority, and that, that's what Texas should push forward with now. Say, screw you, we're going to go ahead and do what we're going to have to do. Now, for the other thing, where they decided to use eminent domain to grab property, well, this happened days ago, and I don't see any equipment moving into the area to get things started. I think this is another thing to prevent, to, to say that, yeah, we're getting ready to build some wall. But I'm willing to bet you $1,000, and I'm not even a betting man, that this time next year, unless there's a major change during the midterms, we're not going to be seeing any wall um, on that land purchased by uh, through eminent domain by the Biden administration. I think this was just a grandstanding effort, and they're willing to use our money to do whatever they want to do, just to, to, to make it look like they're going to do something. But the people that are suffering most on the border will not feel a positive impact because Joe Biden and company have no intention of doing the right thing when it comes to our country, whether it's the border, the economy, schools, whatever, the military, dealing with China, it doesn't matter. And this border situation is nothing more than game, game playing as far as I'm concerned. Um, unless you can tell me. I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't think they've made any effort to uh, at least start getting equipment not, to show that they're, they're getting started. Yeah, not in this area. In fact, there's been uh, statements from the White House directly that they're not in a big hurry to do this. But, you know, uh, it's a safe bet, Ron, that if the government makes a plan to do something today, 
you probably got two to four years before you're going to see any actual thing occur anyway. Uh, so uh, and this kind of circles back around, though, to the uh, just don't trust the government. Uh, the federal government, there's nothing to be trusted. None of them are trustworthy at this point. I think you're absolutely spot on. Ron, let's take a little bit of a break, and then when we come back, did have one more subject I wanted to touch on before we started talking about the pillars. All you folks out there that are listening right now, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this very brief break with my guest, Ron Edwards. Come on, man. All men and women created by go you know the you know the thing. Lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. If you didn't believe the United States is literally at the crossroads of life or death, I'm sure you may think things differently now. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, being brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee. The recent FBI raid on the Mar-a-Lago resort and home of Donald Trump wasn't all that surprising. After all, ever since he took that famous glide down the golden escalator in his New York City Trump Tower and expounded about his appreciation for the United States and the desire to actually govern on behalf of the best interest of our republic, the deep state elites who thought he was one of them turned on Mr. Trump and set out to destroy him. How dare he swagger in and declare how we should create a better economic atmosphere here in order to reignite our manufacturing powers or fight to establish equal opportunity for all who seek to open a business or get a job. Trump's fight for the unborn and religious liberties along with his desire to reconfigure the government back to within the confines of the Constitution truly infuriated globalist elites like Mitch McConnell who proudly stated, quote, Trump's agenda is not my agenda, unquote. Time to stand for God-given rights in our republic before she fails under the awful weight of tyranny being plotted against us. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. We have the ability to see what can be, unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Constitutional grounds: the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about because you want the best. Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better, make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say, stick your progress. 
Just in case you guys were tired of hearing me talk about how good Bill Barr was, that's Rockefeller. Uh, great new ad from Bill Barr, by the way. And, uh, you know, I'd ask a small favor. If you want the candy bars, I'm sorry, the protein bars that just taste too good to be good for you, and yet they still are, follow the link in the show description. Or, if you don't have the show description available for any particular reason, visit me over at Tap Into The Truth. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. Scroll down past recent guests and check out the banners for Built Bar. You hit one of those banners, it will take you there. It'll work just the same. That way, they'll know that I sent you. Now, back to the show. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. As always, I am humbled that you have chosen to give up some of your very precious commodity, the one we really can't get back regardless, that of time, uh, spending it here with me, and uh, as a result, I go out and try to get the best guests that I can find, and uh, I really hit it out of the ballpark today, very thankful that we get to do this just about every Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, with me right now, if just in case you're just now tuning in, it is the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ron Edwards. Ron, before we jump back into anything, please let everybody know where they can find your work. Thank you. Uh, you can find me, uh, the Ron Edwards American Experience Talk Show, Monday through Friday, uh, live and in living radio at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, 12 p.m. Pacific. Uh, just simply go to kstartalkradio.com and dial in there. Otherwise, you to find out everything, just simply go to theronedwards.com. That's the RonEdwards.com, and I thank you so much for doing so. All right, and if you're not doing it already, guys, seriously, what are you waiting for? If you like this show any at all, and I'm assuming if you're listening to this far in that you do, you should already be listening to Ron. Uh, Ron, I uh, wanted to discuss with you this lawsuit that's being moved forward by multiple physicians 
actual MD doctors. Uh, a large number of them were silenced on big tech platforms, uh, social media, and of course, uh, YouTube as well. I, I don't really think of YouTube as being social media, but I suppose technically, if you do the super chats and all that stuff, it might fall into that category too. I myself have went and taken down just about everything that was on my channel because I got another warning email just Friday, <laughs> just Friday, because I was still under uh, a suspension. They didn't count it as my third strike, but uh, in another broadcast that was nearly a year old, there was something that violated their community standards. So I went and took down just about everything, and I'm debating on whether just shutting it down completely myself or maybe trying to play by their rules and uh, play the little game for a little bit and see if I can't still sneak some actual conservative ideas. Because I, on the one hand, don't like wasting my time but on the other hand, I really don't like just walking away when I haven't done anything wrong. So I've got to sort that out for myself. But these doctors, they really, they were suspended, uh, got lifetime bans from Twitter. Some of them were bounced off Facebook, uh, several of them from Instagram. And of course, the YouTube took a lot of these folks down when they were just making appearances on the vlogs and podcasts. Uh, they're suing the tech giants because what we've known all along, and the White House even admitted to not too long ago, uh, thanks to Circleback Jen Psaki, uh, they were working closely with the White House to try and actually remove certain accounts and people that were generating the misinformation, uh, which just constitutes information they don't like, essentially being an extra arm for the Ministry of Truth kind of deal. Now, when you look at the legality uh, they seem to have a pretty good case, but they were just being silenced because they had opinions that varied from the accepted uh, state-sponsored theory regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, there were some of these doctors that were not on board with vaccines. Some of them were saying that natural immunization, that uh, actually catching it was uh, and surviving was much better. Some of them just talked about vitamins and nutrition. Some of them talked about losing weight. Heaven forbid you should be fat shamed, Ron. And not that you would be, although I could be. And, you know, just all these crazy things. And some of these people said things that were really just along the lines of something as simple and basic as the vaccines are still technically experimental, which even at this point, given the num amount of time that goes through vaccine trials, is a true statement. Uh, what do you think about the fact that some of these doctors have finally pulled together to fight back, and how successful do you think they're going to be? I think they're going, in the long run, they're going to be successful as, you know, as long as our country's not destroyed through other means be beforehand. But in fact, uh, some of these doctors um, I have as guests on my show on Wellness Wednesdays, and we, we talk about these, this very subject matter that and how the doctors were so cruelly treated, not only by the big tech, by the, but by their big bosses at the hospitals. And because the big bosses at the hospitals were being paid an awful lot of money to perpetuate the lie. Uh, one, for example, that... Uh, uh, it, it was better for you to take the shot than to depend on your own immune system when it comes to the Corona China virus. Uh, they prevented doctors from being heard. Uh, the ones that wanted to tell the truth. It it was it was an awful awful situation. Uh, There's some doctors that um, in other countries that were murdered for trying to stand and and, and tell the truth. 
particularly China. And this has caused that caused I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of American lives to be to be lost as a result of people being forced to take the Corona China virus shot as opposed to allowing the natural process. And get, you know, you remember this, Tim, when in fact, things like ivermectin, which are very, very good for the body in many areas, all of a sudden we were prevented from or blocked. We still found ways to get it. But I mean, they made it more difficult for those of us who wanted it to have it in our homes, the ivermectin. And uh, they said, oh, this is bad stuff. This is not good. Or the hydroxychloroquine. They tried to keep us from getting that, which they couldn't, but they tried. And and, and, and it, it just amazes me, Tim, how evil these people are. And they're still there in the hospitals. I I, 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 I pray every day that I never get sick enough to go to the hospital because I'm, I'm too afraid to go now. Because there are too many young people that went and didn't come out. And um, it, 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 it's, it, it, it is that bad. And depending on where you are in the country, like, for example, the state that I now live in, Michigan, is one of the more mean, vicious, vile parts of the country where people are just proudly mean and cruel. And they get their rocks off putting you in, putting the hammer on you. And the medical profession is filled with people like that in, in Michigan. I call it Michigan. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm actually being kind because I have to because of broadcast standards. But if I could tell you some of the things that go, have gone on in some of these hospitals and how many, Tim, how many th- hundreds, if not thousands of young athletes are now dead or others I read about another one this morning. Myochondria, or whatever. I, 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 I cannot pronounce it correctly, but they have a heart problem now. I'm talking about athletes, star athletes who were in perfect condition. Their parents stupidly went along to get along, had them have the shot. And now all of a sudden they have heart problems. And it's hundreds, but it's it goes unreported because everyone is is in on this. And because the the and so many Americans are incurably ignorant and they won't dig beyond the surface of their fingernails for anything, um, they remain in ignorance. And they just, it just, it's like everyone's walking around in circles in a daze. And if it were just a few people here and there, you know what, it would be just as important if it were just a few people, because it would still be just as wrong. God is would be just as concerned about one as he would be a, a billion. And so, Tim, this is a very, very scary issue. And and it's more common than many people would want to think. They, they they don't like us, man. I mean, remember Lysol? Remember uh, on the cans it used to say it got rid of Corona germs or whatever. And all of a sudden you couldn't get Lysol because that was on the can because that was a simple solution. Everything. If you ever notice the left never comes back with a simple solution to any problem they decide we should be involved in, whether it's the environment or anything. Everything they have that they foist upon us is actually worse than the original problem. Yeah. Everything. Anything. It does not matter what the topic is. It does not matter. They want to throw money at it because they can figure out a way to get that money back into their own pockets and uh, they want to continue to have the issue ongoing because then they can continue to throw more money at it. Same reason why uh, Congress doesn't like to vote anymore on anything uh, at the end of the day. Uh, if they can't put money directly into their own hands, it's just way more problematic to be held accountable for their voting record. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's something we've been seeing for a long time. And, and again, that's 
like I said earlier, that's one of those things where we've just sat back and let it go on for so long that they now believe that they're entitled to it because it's been allowed to do. It's kind of that uh, the Howard Stern effect I keep bringing up uh, on the show where Howard Stern knew for a very long time that the things he was saying and doing was not technically allowed on the radio, but because he was allowed to get away with it for so long, suddenly it felt like they were picking on him when they just tried to enforce the standards. And before we move on, I did want to mention just for general information purposes, because I know the left will try and push back and some of the fact checkers may say uh, mostly incorrect on our statement earlier about the Biden administration winning that lawsuit. Technically, uh, the lawsuit to try and uh, take the property through eminent domain uh, on the uh, border began under George W. Bush, but then it has been uh, put on a hold and on hold multiple times, was actually not moved forward at all under the Obama administration whatsoever, which tells you that uh, Joe Biden could have put the brakes on this as well if he wanted to. Uh, so that's why Joe Biden still gets this hung around his neck, because he could have stopped it or at least postponed it, and uh, he still continued with it. He wanted this property for some reason. All right, uh, before we run out of time, Ron, uh, let's get to today's pillar of society. We've been talking for the last few weeks about the seven pillars of society. We've talked about the media. We've talked about free market economics. We've talked about the government. And last week, we talked about the family. Today, we're talking about something uh, that is probably next important uh, right after family and something that should be happening within the family uh, more so than anywhere else. We're talking about the dumbing down of the American public through control of education. Education's that uh, pillar. Ron, first of all, uh, how do you define education and what makes it one of those seven pillars? Well, society, I mean, sorry, uh, education is the proper passing down of information from one generation to the next for the purposes of learning so that they, as the Bible would say, are trained in the way that they should go so that they will not depart from whether it's principles, whether it is a craft or a business enterprise or whatever. And education is for the purpose, for the betterment of, of, of one generation, uh, of each generation, supposedly. That is what it's supposed to be. Without, let's say, the education, the pillar of our society, without it, progression toward the future would come to a complete standstill. And I can say that as our society comes to a complete standstill, because we're no longer educating children, we are now indoctrinating them, which is causing our republic to come to a standstill and start, it has already begun to regress because the pillar of education has not been properly edu um, uh, executed, rather, uh, I'd say for the past uh, 30 years. You have spurts or a few, you know, um, opposite examples, such as Hillsdale College or Grove City in Pennsylvania, a few other places here and there, but for the Liberty College, uh, a few charter schools here and there, but for the most part, it's 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 a pretty bad situation, but the good news, even in the midst of that, though, at least during the scandemic, at least two million students have been taken out of the government school system by their parents, because uh, thank God, because this, there was one good thing element of the uh, scandemic, is that many parents got to see what was being taught or indoctrinated into the minds of their young children. And they said, well, we're going to pull together and pull up, pull up, pull our students out because they weren't getting educated. They were getting indoctrinated. And so the pillar of education in society has basically been crumbled. 
it's been cratered out. Yeah, and it is tragic because upon right after family, education is what any real uh, societal engagement must be built upon. Uh, if you properly educate uh, people how to do their craft, you're going to be able to count on them providing services and goods that the rest of the community can use. If you properly educate them on the ability to critically think, they're going to be able to detect the BS that others are going to try and perpetrate on them to convince them to be less like their family, to stand apart, to fall for the propaganda of others. And uh, if you teach them uh, the proper way to uh, follow uh, a, a faith and to understand that the principles are important, uh, that there are uh, actual positive aspects of following them, even though there's a certain amount of sacrifice, the things that you may have to give up in this life, uh, there is still benefit to it uh, in this life and the next. Uh, these are all important parts of that education. Uh, Ron, we actually are uh, very quickly running out of time, and that's the one thing that I always hate because we always have so much more to cover. But before uh, before we say goodbye for today, uh, please uh, add any additional thoughts onto education that you want to before we uh, before we uh, close things out today. Well, what we need to do when it comes to education, we have to reestablish the pillar of education in society, and how do we do that? First of all, parents must come together, and I mean come to, to, together in, in mass and demand that we start educating our children again for the good of our for their for their own future, for the good of our society. Because if we do not, we will not have a society. It it, it is gone. We it, it, you know just like everything else, uh, Tim, we are at the edge. And what is taught to one generation dictates the the, the direction the nation takes in the next. And as things in our government school system continues to wax worse and worse and worse, it is apparent that our society is near the end. But it can be snatched from the jaws of, of defeat, but only if we act quickly and turn this education situation around. We have to take it away from those who are now involved in educating the children of America because they're not. In my opinion, they, they, they should, they, I would lock them up. If I had my way, because they have because of what they have been teaching to American children for the past 30 years, you're seeing all kinds of crazy stuff. Do you think that if there were proper education in America, we, we'd have BLM, Antifa, uh, Kamala Harris as a vice president, Joe Biden? Do you think the American people would be uh, uh, putting up with this kind of stuff? No, 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 no. And critical thinking, if it were properly in place, place due to proper education, we would not have the situation we have now. So education, and I've said this in the past, I've said, I used to say, what is the number one enemy of, of America? Education, the education department. It's bigger than China. It's bigger than all the terrorists in the world and Russia and all of the enemies put together because it's as Khrushchev said, we shall better you. And he was talking about through the education system of America. Boom. There it is. There it is. All right, Ron, as always, I greatly appreciate you uh, being here. I thank you so very much. And, uh, you know, Godspeed on your continuing mission to 
blow away the myths and reveal the truth as you continue with the Ron Edwards American experience. Uh, real quick before I let you go, uh, obviously you are active on social media as well. Uh, if you'd like to, feel free to share your handles wherever you're still inviting folks to follow you. Otherwise, uh, we'll get together next week, sir. Well, thanks a lot. You can uh, check me out at Truth Social. Follow me there. Uh, my page there is at the Edwards Notebook number one, numeral one. Uh, you can still find me on Facebook, uh, Friends of the Edwards Notebook, my Ron, two Ron Edwards pages on Facebook. I'm also on Rumble, and it's at I think it's at the Ron Edwards on Rumble. I'm not on there very often. Uh, on Rumble, it is the Ron Edwards on Rumble. So um, that's about it. I'm not on very many anymore. Uh, Twitter uh, knocked off my page. What are the others? Yeah, YouTube, they destroyed my uh, ability to get back on on my own YouTube channel. So um, a lot of fun, Tim, a lot of fun. <laughs> well, you know, it, it is painful sometimes to be a truth teller because uh, in times like these, nobody wants to hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Ron Edwards. I am Tim Tapp, and uh, this has been the Sunday Afternoon Conversation. Again, Godspeed to you, sir, and thank you for all you do. Thank you for all you do, too, sir, and keep up the great work and say hello to the good folks of Tennessee. Will do. All right, and uh, we'll be back after this brief break. Okay, so not so much a break as much as the final few minutes of the first hour of today's broadcast. Now, for those of you that listen on terrestrial radio, you are intimately aware by now that I do a reset at the end of each hour because typically only an hour gets played on the terrestrial radio stations at a time. And we're all pretty much Monday through Friday as far as that's concerned, with the exception of one place that just likes to play two hours on Saturdays. And that's kind of odd, but... Uh, you know, uh, you pick the two best hours of the week, I suppose, and go with it, and uh, hey, whatever. Uh, I invite all of you listening on Terrestrial Radio, however, to come find the podcast and to uh, come find me on uh, Rumble and to uh, follow me on social media. Of course, I'm still uh, probably still most active on Facebook just because that's where I have the largest reach. Uh, I am still trying to grow the reach on platforms like True Social, uh, Clout Hub, uh, MeWe, uh, obviously Getter is uh, up and growing. Uh, I, we do have a Parlor account, and that seems to be stalling for me, but still seems to be doing well for others. It's never fully bounced back since the debacle with Amazon trying to shut them down off the servers. But they are back, and they're doing well, and we are there. Uh, you can also find us on Minds.com, and you can find me on LinkedIn, as far as that's concerned. I've got a lot of action there. I am on Twitter, although very small footprint there. I try to keep it that way. Otherwise, uh, the Twitter powers will come and take me out, although that kind of defeats the purpose of being on terrestrial, uh, being, on terrestrial being on social media, if you have a small footprint, I suppose. And we are still actively inviting people to come join the Tap into the Truth community over at Locals.com. Uh, so far, I got to tell you, I've been uh, there for a bit now. been inviting people on the radio to come visit and join 
and some folks have looked at the community, but so far nobody's joined the community. I mean, we're more than a month in now, and literally nobody has joined the community at Locals. So guys, just actually, if nothing else, go check out Locals.com to see where Don Smith is now, and uh, some of the other folks you might be surprised. A uh, great place to follow Dan Bongino, for example. Um, obviously, he likes you to go to the Rumble uh, account and follow him there. But you know, it's just one of those things where social media has gotten to be very difficult uh, for a lot of folks to follow all the different platforms that are actually friendly to conservatives or libertarians, or just folks that like speaking their mind. And that's because that that uh, level of social media is getting smaller and smaller all the time. Makes me think back to uh, Thursday's broadcast uh, when we were talking with Nina May. And uh, she, uh, towards the end, when I gave her the opportunity to throw out social media handles, she's like, oh, I, I don't do social media. And she basically told all of us to stop. <laughs> Just all of us, get off social media. If you're conservative, they hate you, get off of them. Now, obviously, there's some exceptions, and she pointed that out. But at the end of the day, uh, is it even worthwhile? Now, I, for one, feel like it is because I've gotten to meet a whole lot of people, gotten to know a whole lot of people that I would not have otherwise. A lot of great voices around the country. In fact, uh, one of the... Uh, most important people I've gotten to uh, get to know just a little bit is A.J. Rice, author of the brand new book, The Woking Dead, which, by the way, is still selling like hotcakes. And if you haven't already gotten a copy, you really need to. Um, you know, otherwise, I don't know what else to tell you guys, except come follow the, uh, the Tap Into the Truth community. Come join the community over at Locals. It's locals.com. Just go visit. Also, uh, talked about Built Bar earlier. Uh, remember to follow the link in the show description and uh, see what Built Bar has to offer. In the meanwhile, that is going to have to be it for this first hour. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Oh yeah, and uh, just one last thing for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., this is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. let's go, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, Let's go, She was from a blue state clan, taught to praise the little man. Told that unions saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees they said their vows He couldn't say when couldn't say how, couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, 
both their parties taxed them close to death. They learned to hate the public schools, watch TV making fools, while trial lawyers looted what was left. She, she couldn't say when, she couldn't say how, she couldn't say why. He was different in her eyes. Saw them years ago. A happy little cabin in the West. They homeschooled on their farm, making so much more from so much less. They can say when You're listening to Tap Into The Truth.
damn UN. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Rowan County, Tennessee. And for the benefit of those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, or if you just happen to be a few days behind on your podcast listening, time of the live broadcast just so happened to be on August the 21st, 2022, and the countdown to the House of Fire has begun, at least for Fans of HBO's former series, Game of Thrones, uh, this being the prequel. Uh, by now, I'm sure those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast have heard plenty about it. I'm still kind of curious just to see what the fan reactions are going to be and to see if they've managed to recapture some of the magic from the earlier seasons, uh, particularly seasons two through four, uh, which really set a unique tone on uh, television, period. Uh, anyway, uh, we do talk about culture here from time to time, primarily because politics tends to be downstream from culture, and uh, so therefore it is worth discussing. Uh, not much to talk about yet, as we are talking about something that hasn't come out yet, so we'll see how things go. And in the meanwhile, we will uh, discuss a few topics that have transpired in the past week. Uh, before we go to that, though, I want to remind everybody to check out PatriotMusic.com. If you like the intro song, I've Got to Be Free. If you like the final outro song, Using Both Hands. Uh, that, of course, is Gun Control, is Using Both Hands. Or the song Different in Your Eyes, which I often play going out and resetting the hour. Uh, those are all Matt Fitzgibbons. Those are all great songs. Just a small portion of what you will find over at PatriotMusic.com. Uh, give him a visit. Check out what he's got to offer. Let him know I sent you, because ever so often I just like for him to know I am still sending people in his direction. And, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Just say, hey, uh, Matt, uh, heard your stuff over and tap into the truth, and they told you me to to come visit you and check out everything else, because a lot of great stuff. The man is a phenomenal historian, a huge musical talent, just an all-around great guy, uh, plain and simple. That's that's really all I've got to say about that. So visit him. Also, <clears throat> still would like for you to come join the Tap Into the Truth community over at Locals.com. If you haven't already, just... Uh, Go to Locals.com. And if you're one of those folks that still thinks Locals sounds like it's a dating site or something, it's not. Not even close, okay? I'm still having to have that conversation with people uh, on social media. It's not a dating site. All right, let's 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 get on with it, shall we? Uh, if you missed the previous broadcast, uh, the Thursday night show from last week, I had a conversation with Paul Manafort, and we talked about his uh, new book release. I asked him point blank, should have Donald Trump granted your clemency sooner? Uh, I uh, got a response from him in regards to why he was in solitary confinement for a year, uh, and we talked about a few other things, and uh, I think it's a worthwhile uh, conversation. If you missed it, uh, please 
come visit me wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a listen. Because after that conversation with Paul Manafort, I also had a great conversation with Nina May. And she's just a, a creative firebrand. And I love uh, that conversation. And we're going to have to get her back on soon, uh, certainly sooner rather than later. Uh, just a, a fun conversation. And I hope you guys, if you did miss it, please go back and, and visit the uh, past broadcast and give it a listen wherever you uh, get your podcast at. It's one of the more recent ones. Like I said, it was the Thursday broadcast from last week. And uh, just give it a listen, uh, please. I think you'll like it. Uh, it just it was great. But um, what do you say we actually get to some new topics today? Uh, first and foremost, uh, I came across this not at all surprising. Uh, Liz Cheney says that she's going to support Democrats in races against some Republicans. I wonder which Republicans. All right, so uh, Liz Cheney, who technically is still representative of Wyoming and will be until this session of Congress is over, she was on the Sunday shows and she said that she will be supporting the opponents of GOP candidates whom she deems election deniers. Cheney shared these comments Sunday during an appearance on ABC's this week, saying, quote, I'm going to be very focused on working to ensure that we do everything we can not to elect election deniers. Uh, hey, Liz, how about this? How about you do everything you can and be very focused on, you know, since you haven't done the best of jobs the last few months, uh, just be very focused on representing the people of Wyoming. You know, show them the representative you promised you would be when you first took the office rather than the tool for the Democrats that you've clearly become. I don't know, just, just spitballing ideas out there. Sorry if that uh, is too divisive. Sorry if that's too uh, flamethrower uh, for you, if that bothers you. I mean, there's a reason you didn't get elected. And Liz, I, I don't care what you're thinking about doing next, unless that includes a switch to the Democratic Party. You're done in politics now. You might be a force behind the scenes if nobody knows that it's you, but you're done otherwise. The folks of Wyoming want nothing more to do with you. You're going to have to move to another state, and you're going to have to change political parties if you want to have a political future in this country. Uh, nobody's going to forget the things that you have done in this case. Now, I know the American populace has often had a very short memory when it comes to uh, election shenanigans. This is not something that will be quickly forgotten. You got yourself on national television as one of the ringleaders for a show trial on something that you had no evidence that uh, would have held up to even get a subpoena, let alone to get a conviction. Anyway. Sorry, I've got to step back from my soapbox and get back to this. Uh, continuing the quote, we've got election deniers that have been nominated for really important positions all across the country. I'm going to work against those people. I'm going to work to support their opponents. Uh, their opponents, Liz, uh, happen to be Democrats. Anyway, the remarks come after Cheney suffered 
what's what's a diplomatic way I can put it? Uh, a landslide loss in last week's Wyoming GOP primaries that happened last Tuesday. Trump endorsed Harriet Hegman, defeated her rather soundly, we will say. Now, Hegeman uh, more than doubled Cheney's totals, in fact, uh, in the primary. With 99% of the votes reported, Hegman took 66.3% of the votes to Cheney's 28.9. They were able to call that one pretty early in the night. You know, in other words, it wasn't even close. Uh, Hegman, in a victory speech, said, quote, Wyoming has spoken on behalf of everyone all across this great country who believes in the American dream, who believes in liberty, and who recognizes that our natural rights, the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, equal protection, and due process come from God. They do not come from the government. Wyoming has spoken on behalf of everyone who understands that our government is a government of, by, and for the people. Good speech. Janine's latest words seem to kind of show that she remains mm, defiant in her quest against former President Donald John Trump. You know, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Yeah, that guy that Cheney believes all those things about. Though rejected by voters in her own state, the left-leaning panel on ABC's This Week offered words of praise. Uh, surprise, shock, gasp. <gasps> Cheney, of course, is, quote, committed not only to sort of take down Donald Trump, but to take down the sickness of her party. Uh, problem is, she's part of the sickness of the party, not Trump. The Atlantic's staff writer, Mark uh, Labovich, Labayevich? Eh, Mark, I don't mean to butcher your last name, so I apologies. But anyway, uh, Mark said, quote, I think she will be an extremely relevant figure in her party. Yeah, if her party becomes the Democratic one. Only when that happens, I don't think she's going to be quite as relevant as you guys want to make her out to be, because there's no way she even moves into leadership in the Democratic Party. She's an average, bland Democrat. It's part of why she runs as a Republican. That and the fact that the Cheney name actually stood for Republicans in Wyoming for a very long time. But, you know, it's funny how these same leftist panelist uh, just a few short years ago was referring to Dick Cheney as freaking Darth Vader. Insert uh, ominous Disney uh, copyrighted music there. Anyway, the panel also included glowing remarks from USA Today's Susan Page, who suggested Cheney could run for president in any of the next three presidential cycles, except not as a Republican, she couldn't. I mean, she could run. She could try to seek the nomination. Don't get me wrong about that. But she's never going to get it. Again, if Cheney stays in Wyoming, she wouldn't even be able to deliver her home state. That doesn't make for a great presidential run. 
not even in a primary, trying to get the nomination. If you can't win your home state, you're done. Just ask the current setting supposed vice president, Kamala Harris, who was not going to win California, you know, her home state. Anyway, quoting from Page, politics is not a straight line. Liz Cheney is 56 years old. She could run for president in 2024, 2028, or 2032. And yeah, she could run. She could get embarrassed. Or she can move to a blue sanctuary state and become a Democrat and maybe have a chance there. I'm sure there's some Democratic voters that might actually buy into the hype, the notion, the strange idea that she's actually a hero of the Republic rather than just a tool for the Democrats. Anyway, on Wednesday morning of this past week, after her primary loss, Cheney hinted that she might be considering a future presidential run, something that I laughed at immediately, which is why I don't think we even brought it up on Thursday night's uh, broadcast. But uh, basically, she was on the Today Show, and she said, quote, I'll be doing whatever it takes to keep Donald Trump out of the Oval Office. So when asked about running for president in 2024, she responded that it, uh, quote, is something I'm thinking about, and I'll make a decision in the coming months. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately uh, for you, Liz, uh, you don't have months to make that determination. It's time to start making your intentions clear if you're actually running for 2024. Uh, you're going to need to be well, you probably should already be doing fundraising, quite honestly, and you need to be prepared to make official announcements not much later than November. So not a lot of time left. It's August now. I get that November is still more than a month away, but not much more than that. In a way, when asked about a White House run on Sunday, Cheney told ABC's This Week co-anchor Jonathan Carl that she understands why the Republican National Committee would not want her on the debate stage with Donald Trump. Does she? Does she really? Uh, because of how embarrassing it would be to let one of the few women in the party that managed to claw their way to a position of leadership and then lose it by virtue of becoming a tool for the Democratic Party to be allowed to share the same stage with someone that legitimately has a chance to get the nomination, as opposed to somebody who actually is nearly the textbook definition of a rhino? I don't know. That's not fair, though, is it? Not really. It's not fair. She hasn't always been a rhino. She just kind of uh, become one recently. It's a recent development, kind of. Her, her issues with Donald Trump, I don't think, are related to the GOP. But she's shown the ultimate betrayal, not because she went after Donald Trump, I think there's a lot of folks in the GOP that would be willing to forgive that if that's the only thing you did. I mean, she did survive the first attempt to remove her from leadership. It was when she became a tool for the Democratic Party in trying to 
basically say that anybody who supported Donald Trump is an insurrectionist and not just another freedom-loving American. That's when you lost leadership. That's when you lost the faith of the GOP. And that's when you lost the support of the most important voting block for your career uh, then and for your immediate future, the Wyoming voter. You know, again, your home state. It does not bode well to make any effort to run for national office if you cannot win in your home state. I, I know I've said that already, but it's important to reiterate it. Liz Cheney, if she wants to hold the office of president or higher, she can try to mess around on those stages and she can say what she wants to about it. But unless she moves and she needs to go somewhere like New York, California, Oregon, Washington, Illinois, someplace like that, and unless she changes her party affiliation, she will not make it past Super Tuesday. Period. She's not going to get a nomination. She just needs to deal with that. Accept it. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, Liz Cheney said, I would not want me on the debate stage with Donald Trump. I can see why the National Republican Party would not want me on the debate stage with Donald Trump. I would imagine Donald Trump isn't too interested in that either. Well, you know what? You you may be right about that, but not for the reasons you're implying. It's not because he would be afraid to confront you. It's because it would probably hurt his image with women again. Because the left, the Democrats, the people that you seem to be working for more than you were working for the people of Wyoming, they would say, see, he's a misogynist. Look at how he's treating and trying to menace and trying to be mean to the woman. And you, Liz Cheney, would be reduced in the minds, in the hearts and minds of all those lefties who right now are holding you up as a hero to be nothing more than a woman. And I would remind you, Liz, that uh, the left has a really hard time of defining what a woman is. So, don't be surprised if, once again, you're simply used and eventually tossed back into the heat because they still think your daddy was Darth Vader. You need to come to that realization, too. Politico, of course, also reported Wednesday that Cheney intends to launch a new organization in the coming weeks. It's uh, kind of unclear what the group exactly will entail, but it plans to oppose Trump in any future presidential campaign. So, in the coming weeks, Liz will be launching an organization to educate the American people about the ongoing threat to our republic and to mobilize a unified effort to oppose any Donald Trump campaign for president. Uh, that according to Jeremy Adler, a Cheney spokesperson speaking to Politico. I'm still kind of left with this strange feeling that if you're really, and I mean really, trying to educate the American people about the ongoing threat to our republic, you're probably not talking about Donald Trump. You're probably talking about the leftist effort 
to control the American education system, to destroy the nuclear family, and to destroy American history, to push critical race theory on all of us, to try and push radical gender theory on all of us. You know, all those silly, crazy, ridiculous things that the left keeps trying to do without hesitation. Yeah, that is the threat to our republic, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's take that mid-hour break, if you don't mind. Stay right where you're at, and I'll be right back after this. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Rise and shine, sleepy Joe. Now's the time, don't you know, to get into You can rest your head on the corner of your bed. You can watch the world go by. But you're never going to see what the other people see if you're always going to be a lion dog faced pony soldier. New York Mayor Eric Adams and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot are perfect examples of willfully stubborn advocates for wrong solutions. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Recently, New York Mayor Eric Adams complained again about Texas Governor Greg Abbott's sending more illegal border crossers to the big, now rotten apple. Obviously, Mayor Adams is trying to have his political cake and eat it, too. But there's one big heap on problem. He wishes our border to be overflowing with uncivilized illegal border crossers who are also diseased because, like most Democrats, he wants our republic destroyed from within via whatever means available, including wide open borders. So when you either hear or read about Mayor Adams or any Democrat complaining about illegals delivered to their city, remember, it is only political grandstanding because politicians like Eric Adams and Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago told the world world, they either support or declared their cities to be sanctuary cities for illegals. Hopefully the voters will truly care about and rescue their cities before it's too late. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me via the Ron Edwards American Experience to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. I remember a teacher that I had. Now, I, only, I, went, I went through the seventh grade. I went to the seventh grade. And I left home when I was 10 years old because I was hungry. And I used to, this, is, this is true. I work in the summer and I go to school in the winter. But I had this one teacher. He was the principal of the Harrison School in Vincennes, Indiana. To me, this was the greatest teacher, a real sage of, of my time, anyhow. He had such wisdom. And we were all reciting the Pledge of Allegiance one day. And he walked over, this little old teacher. Mr. Laswell was his name. Mr. Laswell, he says, uh, <clears throat> he says, I've been listening to you boys and girls recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester, and it seems as though it's becoming monotonous to you. If I may, may I recite it and try to explain to you the meaning of each word? I. 
me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self-pity, allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O oh glory, a symbol of freedom. Wherever she waves, there's respect, because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. United, that means that we have all come together. States, individual communities that have united into 48 great states, 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose all divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common purpose, and that's love for country. And to the Republic, Republic, a state in which sovereign power is invested in representatives chosen by the people to govern. And government is the people, and it's from the people to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people for which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation and justice the principle are qualities of dealing fairly with others. For all. For all. Which means, boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. And now, boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country, and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance, under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that would be eliminated from schools, too. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Sometimes little things make a big difference. Take the modern cooler, for example. Obviously, a cooler is supposed to keep your stuff cold. But it's the little things, the obsessive quest for perfection that sets blue coolers apart. Little things, like realizing that girth matters. Huh? So 
they put 40% more insulation in the sidewalls. It can keep ice cold for up to 10 days at a fraction of the cost of the overpriced brands. Little things like adding a pressure release valve to the cooler. See, a slight change in air pressure can seal your cooler tighter than a camel's butt in a sandstorm. With Blue Cooler's pressure release valve, a gentle push of a button regulates the pressure, so you can open it with your finger. Little things, like re-engineering a locking mechanism that is so easy to open and close, even a child can do it. (laughs) That's not apple juice! The rest of the industry still uses a thick piece of tire rubber to lock their coolers, requiring the strength of an Olympic athlete to open it. Even the accessories have little things that make a big difference. It's the little things. The little things like the upgraded LED light kit. It illuminates the cooler when you open the lid so you don't accidentally grab an apple juice when what you really wanted was something stronger. Mommy, I'm hungry. Go to bed. It's mommy time. Little things like putting the drain plug on the same side as the wheels so you can easily drain it without looking like a moron. Genius. Little things like having a built-in bottle opener instead of a trashy-looking accessory strapped to the handle that dings up your cooler. It's the little things. Little things like putting wheels on the biggest coolers. You're welcome, soccer moms. All those little things on blue coolers certainly feel like big things to me. So don't wait till you're a thousand miles away from civilization before you realize how important the little things really are. Grab yourself a blue cooler and experience the big difference today. Listen, if you get your self-esteem from overpaying for brand name stuff just to impress people, don't buy a blue cooler. But if you appreciate the little things that make a big difference, grab yourself a blue cooler and experience premium performance at a fraction of the price of that poser brand. Click the link to get yours today. Of course, that link she's referring to is the link in today's show description. Uh, By clicking that link, not only will it take you to Blue Coolers, but they'll know I sent you. And, you know, don't worry if you happen to not have the show description handy. Uh, Maybe you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, for example. Uh, A little bit later, you can come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth all one word, dot com, and then scroll past the recent guests on the homepage, and uh, you'll see banners for Blue Coolers. Click on one of those, and it'll work just the same. They'll know that I sent you, and then the win-win becomes yet another win. Uh, You know, the win of you getting a great product at a fantastic price. Uh, The win of them getting a great new customer. That's you, by the way. And then we get to add that third win of you helping to support this show here at Tapping to the Truth. So, you know, I kind of would like for that to happen. (laughs) I hope that you would, too. All right. Anyway, uh, that's the link. And, uh, you know, just follow the link and visit Blue Coolers and see what they've got to offer. Uh, 10-day ice at half the price. Uh, You're just not going to be. There's not a better deal in uh, the world of super coolers. There's just not. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed going headstrong back into the broadcast. And the next topic, the next topic is a pretty interesting one. Came across this uh, article uh, early enough last week that it could have worked it into the Thursday night broadcast. Thought about it. Uh, It just didn't quite make the cut. 
but it has a lot to do with teachers out in Oakland. Uh, and uh, the headline reads, Oakland teachers found out the hard way the social justice model of reading is a disaster. So, you know, naturally, I couldn't help myself but to look at it, and I'm kind of glad that it's not been a super huge, busy news weekend, because it allows me to revisit some of these stories I didn't get to earlier in the week. This is one I, I wanted to discuss with you guys. So, uh, reading from the article itself to start with, it is true that you don't always know what you got till it's gone, even if that's it, <clears throat> even if that is improper English. But a lot of misery can be avoided by understanding history and looking at data rather than relying solely on feelings when implementing change. For example, let us take a look at the latest story out of the Oakland Unified School District in California. Oakland once had one of the most successful reading programs in the entire Golden State for inner-city kids. It was based on phonics and utilized tried-and-true methods of learning to read and sounding out letters rather than memorizing words. Then, the teachers worried that they were promoting so-called colonialism, which is another word for white supremacy. They convinced the district to use the whole language approach, and the reading rates plummeted. The whole language method, by the way, it encourages children to, to guess at words, memorize words, look at pictures to find hints, as to what the words could be, and other poor techniques. It does not prepare students to read new words. Uh, quoting here from Kareem Weaver, a fourth and fifth grade instructor when speaking to Time Magazine, said, quote, For seven years in a row, Oakland was the fastest gaining urban district in California for reading. And we hated it. They hated it. The, the fastest growing, the fastest gaining urban district in California. Time noted that the phonics-based approach worked for the students, but not so much for the teachers. What did work for the teachers? Uh, a social justice approach, of course. This seems dehumanizing. This is colonizing. This is the man telling us what to do. This again quotes from Weaver, recalling how teachers spelled at the time. Continued back to quoting, so we fought tooth and nail as a teacher group to throw that out. Those who wanted to fight for social justice, they figured that this new progressive way of teaching reading was the way. The phonics approach was eliminated by 2015. Now, though, Weaver is part of the nationwide movement fighting to bring back the phonics page approach. You see, in Oakland, when you have 19% of black kids reading, that can't be maintained in a society. Again, this is Weaver talking. It has been 
an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Weaver is right about that. You see, the problem began in the 1980s when California implemented the whole language approach. Nationwide schools followed, and of course, debate ensued as what worked best for the children, phonics or whole language, and I think we have the answer now, but as time explained, the debate was supposedly settled in 2000 when the National Reading Panel, a big group of literacy experts that examined hundreds of studies on what instruction kids need to read, when they released a report. You see, it recommended explicit instruction on the things Weaver's petition asked for. Uh, phonics, awareness, phonics itself, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. So phonic awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. Those are the things that they're now saying they need. Now again, remember, this was released in 2000 from the National Reading Panel. Now, the fact that it came out in 2000 doesn't matter, because you see, districts across America still continue to advocate a balanced literacy. I'm, I'm not sure what a balanced literacy approach really means, but they still advocated for that instead, which was a hodgepodge of phonics and a whole disaster. Uh, Timothy uh, Shanahan, who was the NRP board who was on the NRP board, I apologize, told Time, quote, the idea was each group would get some of what they wanted. So are you, are you following that? The idea was, okay, well, phonics works. The social justice ideology doesn't, but let's see if we can blend them. And see, the hopes was they'd get enough boost from re-entering phonics to be able to claim that the whole language approach was improving. <laughs> they, they were kind of cheating. They wanted to blend the two together so they can claim winning for one when it was really the other that was making the improvement. But uh, let's get back to the article. Uh, Timothy Shanahan said that the idea was that each group would get some of what they wanted. I've got to admit, I always thought that was a bad idea. It seemed to me that you should just go with the research. <gasps> really? Facts and data matter? Imagine that. You see, the dirty little secret is that Shanahan is correct. It is a lesson that now Weaver, the educator we talked about to begin with, should have known as well. You see, had he and his colleagues actually looked at the data when ditching phonics in the name of social justice, he would have avoided implementing a system that makes children dumber and illiterate. Better yet, had he listened to conservative icon Phyllis Shafley, which, by the way, I was blessed to have as a guest on my show uh, uh, way back in the earlier days of the show, uh, had they listened to Phyllis, 
the entire ordeal would have never happened. You see, in 1994, Schiff <coughs> excuse me, published the uh, best-selling educational book, First Reader. As her online store explained, First Reader exclusively uses the time-tested method of using phonics to learn how to read. It's easy for students, teachers, and perhaps most importantly, parents to use in instructing their children. The book was created as a direct response to the whole language method. In other words, boys and girls, they knew something worked, and Phyllis said, let's use what works. Whole language approach, this method of whole language, it's, it's leaving our children worse off. And much like our recent conversation about the Minneapolis school system wanting to implement their ideology of being racist against white teachers, it seems like they've lost the idea that it's not about the teachers, it's about the students. It should always be about the students first. But I suppose if you actually teach them well, then they don't fall for all the BS they're trying to push these days, do they? Anyway. Um, it's been a disaster, she said bluntly. The whole method approach in, in a 1995 interview, their own reports show it's a disaster. And what that means is the child is taught by a guessing method. And I've read these instructions to the first grade reader. They'll tell a teacher to tell the child to memorize a couple of dozen frequently used words. Have stories that use those words over and over again. Teach the child to skip over words that uh, they don't know. To substitute another word that seems to fit. To guess at the words by looking at the picture on the page. Now this is a fraud. It's a fraud on everybody. And this is why people and children don't learn how to read. Again, this is still Phyllis talking in this interview. Phyllis, in the uh, mid-1990s, sounded an awful lot like Weaver does today. See, regarding his school district's decision, Weaver has admitted, quote, there have been choices made where our children were not in the center. We abandoned what worked because we didn't like how it felt to us as adults, when actually the social justice thing to do is to teach them explicitly how to read. It's great that Weaver has learned from his errors, but sadly, his comment is a perfect example of leftism in action. You see, leftists seek to dismantle everything old while arrogantly thinking that new and progressive is better. They do not realize that destroying is a lot easier than building something of value. Worse, as of late, they put the adult's feelings over what's truly best for the child, damaging their education and America's future in the process. It's just one more example 
of what's going on in this country as we continue to watch to see leftist ideologies implemented in the real world when they move away from classroom theory and try to use it in the real world it continues to demonstrate its total and complete disastrous effects just one more example it's just one more like i said we talked thursday night about the uh, teachers union in minneapolis and the school board there going along with it signing off on an agreement with the union that says point blank that if budget cuts require the release of educators that teachers of color will be the last to be removed even if they were the most recently hired. Now, I've talked about in the past that I'm not a big fan of the idea of tenure, and I'm not a big idea uh, log when it comes to believing somehow that uh, last hired, first fired should be the, uh, the golden rule. Most unions do feel that way. Obviously, this particular union no longer does. They've become very woke. But when it comes to an educator, shouldn't the merit of how good of a teacher they are be the determining factor as to whether or not they're kept ahead of another educator? When it comes to a system that works like phonics, shouldn't its success rate be the determining factor as to whether or not you embrace it? How hard is it to change it back in California? I mean, when you have these people who have been fighting for the progressive ideas now publicly admitting that it's just not working, why is it so hard to switch gears and go back to what did work? Well, see, now they're back to colonizing, and, and we can't have white supremacy in education, too. Maybe if you stop seeing the devil everywhere you looked, you might come to realize that, uh, that you've been seeing things all along. Maybe if you take a deep breath and say, does this work for the children? Maybe if you refocused what the point of your... <clears throat> Sorry, I, I almost said some things I shouldn't have. Maybe if you took a moment to focus on what the point of your vocation is. Your job as an educator is to teach. And you are to utilize methods that work and that are age-appropriate. And that you don't take on topics that aren't age-appropriate. If you're in the first grade and you're being asked to read books with graphic sexual behavior or description of various gender theory ideologies, then perhaps that's not grade-appropriate. If you're trying to teach math with a word problem that says Johnny had four friends and they were walking down the street at night and then the white police officer showed up, how many of Johnny's friends made it home that night? Maybe you should realize that that's not appropriate either at any age. Maybe instead of trying to teach victimhood, you started trying to teach grammar.
mathematics and actual history, not the made-up uh, business from like the 1619 project, which even left-leaning historians have criticized multiple times. It's not just me saying it's made up. It's not just right-wingers saying it's made up. There's a lot of folks that are lefties that have said, eh, that's not really history. That's not how it went down. Maybe if you got back to teaching actual history. Maybe if you taught children these things, along with the belief that in America, we are still trying to live up to the promises made in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution. The high-minded principles that this nation was built on is an ongoing project, and you, regardless of your skin color, have an opportunity to be successful here that you simply don't have anywhere else in the world. Maybe if you taught that instead of victimhood and gender theory and critical race theory, maybe you wouldn't have such a problem with American youth. Maybe we wouldn't have so many disaffected people. Maybe we'd have less violence on the streets. Maybe we'd have fewer people lost to challenges on TikTok. Maybe we'd have fewer lives lost to gun shooting, uh, to shootings at schools and, and various other issues. See, the, the really, really terrible little secret is that there's not a problem in this country that can't be traced back to leftist ideology. Not one. Not a single one. Whether it's the destruction of the nuclear family, whether it's the belief that gender dysphoria is a mental disorder and can be treated and is often outgrown on its own as shortly at the conclusion of puberty. If we could get past these ideas, if you can move past the idea that all police are systemically racist, if you could move past the idea that all of the systems of this nation are systemically racist, then maybe you could learn that you have opportunities. Maybe we could fix some of these problems that have been not just tearing at our nation, but haunting it. Let's face the facts of our history. Let's endure the fact that there have been some dark chapters, that we've made some mistakes, that people of certain colors have not always gotten along with people of other colors. And let's embrace the reality that the solution to racism is to simply be racist directed at someone else. Let's give them a taste of their own medicine. Let's fight fire with fire. That's not how that battle can ever be won. And the worst part, the worst part is most of the people that are pushing the idea that it can are well aware of the fact that it can't. Certain people, like, I don't know, Abram X. Kendi, for example, uh, Al Sharpton before him, uh, some people require that racial divide in order for them to maintain a certain level of relevance, in order for them to be the race-baiting hucksters they are to try and make a little cash the easy way. They stand to lose a lot more with these problems being solved. So, of course, 
they advocate for things to happen that they know are not the solutions. These other issues, they'll be a little harder to deal with. I get it. Too many people are too deeply ingrained in that. But that brings me to circling back around to my initial question. Why, in this instance, is it so hard to take any of the school systems in California and move back to phonics? And forget California, let's say across the country, why is it so hard? If the Department of Education at the federal level had any merit of all, why is it they can't promote that simple idea? I pause dramatically for effect, but at the end of the day, most of you that actually care about the answer have already pondered that question and already have the answer. Just one more reason why the Department of Education really needs to be, well, dissolved, abolished, defunded, done away with. It serves no real purpose for the American people other than to try and continue to waste American taxpayer dollars and to push dangerous false histories and dangerous theories about race and gender. That's going to have to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here as always. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe if you can, stay healthy if at all possible, and you know, be smart out there, guys, even if it goes against your nature. And, uh, you know, living in times like these, dealing with Bidenflation, it leaves me wanting to leave one more message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go,